team for, for leading us. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to take them and open them to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we say a special greeting to our guests this morning. If you are visiting with us, we're grateful for you. If you're watching live stream, we say good morning to you as well. If you don't have a Bible, if you're new to the study of God's Word, there's some under the chairs there. Love for you to take that. It's a gift from us. And if you're unfamiliar with how we study the Scriptures, if you go to page 886 in that Bible, and we'll be in John chapter 1, the large one you'll see there, and then scroll down to the small number, number 6. We're going to be reading from verse 6 to verse 13 this morning. And um, again, if you're checking Christianity out, if you're maybe new to Christianity, um, this is what we do as a church. We're just going through this book called John. It was an eyewitness account. He was a follower and a disciple of Jesus. And he recorded these words. And then we take these words and we look at them together. And then we apply them to 2016 and live for his glory. So with that, let's, let's look at this word, verse Six Last week, we started really the study of this Bible and study of this book and walked through an amazing four, five verses there. And today we'll pick up with verse six. It says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this is not John the author. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This is Jesus, right? He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray this morning. Father, this is an amazing text. It's an amazing book. And so this morning, we ask that you would teach us, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen our faith, and as we have even sung this morning, that you would lift our eyes to see and to savor the greatness of this man named Jesus. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the response, the response to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, that was released on December 17th, that Thursday, I know that because my son went to the 10 o'clock showing that night, has been nothing short of astonishing in that it has crushed just about Every single record at the box office. The response, the response has been remarkable. 
Fandango, the, the online ticket service, reported that Star Wars has broken their record for the most tickets sold for any film during its entire theatrical run. And that was all through pre-sales. <laughs> right? I mean, think about this. I've put, put this, this slide. I know it's kind of small. I'm just going to highlight a few things. It's quite crazy. It was the highest grossing film of all time in the domestic market at $800 million. It was the fastest film to reach $100 million that took 21 hours. Uh, it was the fastest film to reach $200 million. That happened in three days. It was the fastest film to reach $300 million. That was in five days. And it just keeps going on all the way up to 16 days. It was the biggest all-time debuted and biggest December debuted at $250 million. It was the biggest second weekend of all time. It was the biggest overall Christmas weekend of all time from December 25th to the 27th. It brought in just a small number of 296 million. It was the biggest third weekend of all time. It was the biggest Thursday preview gross ever. It was the biggest Friday of the weekend opening. It was the biggest Sunday of that weekend. And then they actually gave this stat was the biggest Monday and it was the biggest Tuesday ever. On Tuesday, it brought in 37 million. What Tuesday does that, right? It was the biggest Christmas day at 50 million. It was the biggest New Year's day. It was the biggest opening week. Even global, the global response, the global response has been quite crazy. The film posted the highest global opening weekend of all time at 528 million. And it surpassed 1 billion in 12 days. Listen, oh, oh, that the world would respond. Oh, that the world would respond with receptivity to God coming to the planet in the form of a man named Jesus Christ. Oh, that the world would respond with such receptivity to God becoming a man. See, this author of this book, John, right, he desires for us to respond with belief in Christ. He even wrote in chapter 20 that these things are written, these things that he's going to write over these 20-some chapters, right, were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I mean, to be fully alive is to fully know the Savior and to respond to both who he is and what he has done. And last week, we looked at who he was and what he had done. And this week, I want to show you this morning from the text that we read, three responses to Jesus. Three responses to Jesus. So if you're taking notes, this is the first response I want to show you. The first response is that of reflection. Let us reflect the light of Jesus to the world so all will believe. Let us reflect the light of Jesus to the world so all will believe. Now, let's ask ourselves this question. Why this break 
from verse 5 to verse 9. If you notice verse 5, let's look in your Bibles together. And verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now go to verse 9. Verse 9 says, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. That seems like a natural flow of the text. You go from verse 5 about light to verse 9 about light, but verses 6 through 8 are there. And it, it just almost goes off about this man named John that was sent. What is the author trying to do? I think there's two things that are happening. I think, one, John is showing us that God's promise is being fulfilled. I, I believe he's showing that God's promise is being fulfilled. What do I mean by that? I mean this, right? Now, there's been massive prophecies about Christ in the Old Testament, and we see them coming to fruition. We see them coming in verses one through four. But then we see this mention of this man named John. He's John the Baptist. He's not the disciple John. He's not the author of this book. That was a different John. And and God's promise is being fulfilled from the sense not only did God prophesy and promise the Messiah, he actually promised and prophesied that the guy, there's going to be a guy that's going to go before him. He's going to be a forerunner. He's going to be a witness. And his name is John the Baptist, right? He's a messenger in one sense. Matter of fact, in Malachi, in the Old Testament, in chapter 3, verse 1, he doesn't even give his name. He just says, behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way that will go before the Son, right? So we see, I mean, I love it because in one sense, it shows us that God cares about the details, and, and that his promise, that his promises, when he makes one, he comes through on it, right? And he says that this one, there was this man and he was sent from God. This man, who, who is this, this man? This man is, is the man that was actually written about in Luke chapter one. It's quite fascinating, even, even as Luke records it, John the Baptist, his very birth was a miracle in and of itself as well. It's, it's, it's an almost humorous story in one sense because in Luke chapter 1, you get the, the story of, of Zechariah who is this priest. And, and actually the text says specifically um, that he was married to Elizabeth. She was barren and they were both older. They were advanced in years. And then it says that he, Zechariah, was serving as priest because it was his division's duty of that time. So it was that time where he would be serving as priest. He actually goes in to the temple. It's the the hour where they have the incense and he's appeared. He goes into uh, the temple of the Lord, it says, and an angel appears to him. And he says, and Zechariah was troubled, and you are troubled when an angel speaks to you. And, and fear fell upon him. But the angel says, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to bear you a son, and you're going to call him John. And you will have joy and gladness and will rejoice at his birth. But then Zechariah just ends up saying, listen, um, now, how is this going to happen? Now think about it, he's the priest representing the people. He's in the temple, it's his, he's on, it's his Sunday, he's up, right? And, and he, he goes in 
Um, and it's actually not just any angel, it's Gabriel, right, is speaking, representing God, uh, speaks and says, oh, your prayer, you and your wife, you've been praying, uh, we're going to answer that one, right? The heavenly has heard and we're going to answer that. And he's like, how, I mean, he, he, unbelief, unbelief is flooding his soul. He's like, how in the world is this going to be? And I think that the angel gets maybe a little rubbed wrong, right? Don't want to rub Gabriel wrong. Uh, and he goes mute for nine months. <laughs> Can't speak. And it's interesting, even in that story, this is a side note. I'm just going to give this to you, 8 o'clock. This is free, all right? So, so side note, right? Mary's response when the angel comes, right? She says, how will this be as well? But if you could sense the mannerisms, I think Zachariah is going, now how in the world is this going to be, right? For real, I'm old, she's old. Come on. I think Mary, right, who's not even, she's not a priest, she's not representing, she's just a young girl. She's she's like, how is this going to be? I can't wait to see how God's going to make this happen, right? The question for us is how do we respond when he answers? Or how do we respond when we pray? How do we respond? This is, this is what's so, so interesting. God, God, I think he's showing us in these few verses that, that his promise is being fulfilled. It's one thing to show it in Jesus. It's another thing to just show us in this man who's called the messenger. Right? But also, God's, not only is God's promise being fulfilled, but man's posture is being formatted in one sense. Right? So, so John, the author, is reminding us in this particular passage that as followers of Jesus, we don't reach for the spotlight, we reflect the one who's in the spotlight. This is what's going on. Right? He, he says, he came to witness, to bear witness about the light in hopes that all would believe. Right? John, John wants us to get this. I mean, he says it actually twice, that, that John the Baptist was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. See, man's posture is being forward. God's, I think, reminding us that in one sense, in, in one sense, it's, it's not about us. It's about Jesus and representing Jesus and reflecting Jesus. Jesus is the one who deserves the spotlight, not you or I. And to bear witness, right, it's to give an accurate account of all that you know to be true. And John the Baptist would do this. He will say, and we'll unpack this in a few weeks, in verse 29, he will say, right, with great enthusiasm, behold, right, that means to take hold of and look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, he's the forerunner, he's the witness, he's, he's on the witness stand in the world, and he is saying this about the long-awaited Messiah, right? He has come. He, he's the one on the witness stand that is coming to the world, and he's given an account of the reality of who Christ is. He's the one that's unpacking Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that says, although the fall of humanity has come, and we are born sinners, we're born with this nature of sin, it's, it's our bent, right, to disobey rather than obey, and that separation, that separation has caused this incredible tension between man and, and God, and John the Baptist is the one who's coming to say, listen, I'm bearing witness that the, the, the prophecy of Genesis 3.15, this first good news of Genesis 3.15 has come to fulfillment in Jesus, 
right? That, that we born as sinners, separated from God, God in his love, in his kindness, in his mercy, did not leave us in that state, but sent his son Christ to live the life you and I could not live and die the death that you and I deserve, right? He was a propitiation, right? That word meaning he appeased God's wrath when he died on the cross. Then he was buried and then he was raised on the third day to validate that he was who he said he was. We call this the gospel. We call this the good news, right? And this is what John the Baptist, he's a forerunner. He's a messenger. And this is what you and I are to be as followers of Christ, to be a messenger in one sense, to deliver the goods, right? To deliver this good news in a bad news world. Listen, John the Baptist would even say that he, he wasn't even worthy to tie the strap of Christ. He, he says in John chapter 3 that he must, Jesus must increase and I must decrease, right? He wants his life He wants his life to be spent making much of Christ. Think about your life for a minute. Think about my life for a minute, right? Think about what we spend our life making much of, right? Think about the the indictment that that shows up, right? When you do that family photo at Christmas, right? and, And it's a miracle to get everybody lined up in front of the tree and One's looking one way, one's looking the other. And then that, that moment, right, that moment where you got everybody going in the same direction and boom, right, you, you take it. And then when you look at it and check it out, where do the eyes go, right? Who are the first, first person that the eyes go to in the photo? Yourself. <laughs> you want to check yourself out. I don't like that smile. My hair wasn't right, right? We're not looking at everybody else, right? And, and what that's showing us, that, that deep in our heart, right, we, we think it's about us. And what John is reminding us this morning is, no, it's, it's not us that are in the spotlight. We're to reflect the one who deserves to be in the spotlight, Jesus himself. Our kids, when they were younger, we loved reading this book to them. It was a, it was a great book. It was called Full Moon Rising. I don't know if you remember this. I'll, I'll show you a copy of, of the front of it. But uh, this particular book, I'm going to read some for you this morning. This is a little story time, okay? As, as I love reading this book to, to my kids, and then God used it even in my own heart. But listen to this, um, this amazing perspective of reflecting the light of Christ. I heard a cosmic story and wondered if it's true the moon was stealing glory. And this is what he'd do. He bragged each night that his great might could make the darkness flee. And like a kite, he scaled the heights and said, hey, look at me. It's really strange, but he could change his shape throughout the year. His face would change, then rearrange, and sometimes disappear. He bragged that he could cause the sea to rise and swell each day, then all could see how mightily he'd pull the waves away. He'd boast away and love to say, I'm the greatest light, until one day a piercing ray showed him a shocking sight. He saw his pride, and then he cried for all he had done, for he had lied when he denied his light came from the sun. 
So now each night, a new delight is what he loves the most, reflecting light with all his might. The sun is now his boast. So God, I pray for grace each day to find the joy that's true in all my days and all my ways in making much of you. Profound, profound theology in the form of a children's book. Right? Acts 1.8 says, listen, we are his witnesses when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And so the question for us, what are you a witness for? Is it your career, your hobbies, your interests? Is it the Panthers this afternoon? <laughs> what, what are you consumed with talking about? And I would suggest, and John is encouraging us this morning, listen, let's, let's reflect the light of the one who is in the spotlight. Let's tilt the mirror. Let's tilt the mirror in one sense, right? And show the true light of the world is Christ. Let me show you the second response. The second response is this, is is to let us not reject the love of Christ found in his gift of salvation. Let us not reject the love of Jesus found in his gift of salvation. Notice verses nine through 11. Notice verse 9, this, this true light of God in Jesus, this true love of God in Jesus, in one sense, it enlightens, right? It enlightens everyone what's coming into the world. Jesus is the one who opens eyes to purpose and joy and being fully alive. Jesus is the one who enlightens by his spirit to what is right and wise and pleases God. He is the one who sheds light on the situation literally, right? And we would be foolish to reject all that he is and all that he's done and all that he said and all that he's saying through his word. C.S. Lewis, I love the way he thinks of this. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. This is the one, Christ is the one. He's the, he's, he's the one to be at the center of our lives as the sun is at the center and the planets, right, are orbiting around the, the sun, right? The planets of your life, vocation, relationships, marriage, parenting, all these things. When Christ is at the center, as they orbit, right, they, they're not going to fly into chaos. There's going to be an ordering. There's going to be a sense of being fully alive, even in a hard world. So don't, don't reject the Son of God who has a word for every situation you're going through. Verse 9, notice verse 9, he says, he, he was coming into the world. Verse 10 says, he was in the world, right? Now, he, John's just reminding us again, and the world was made through him. We learned that last week. Now, John's building, watch this, John's building anticipation really for shock in one sense for the reader. He says he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. What? Not not only that, notice what else he says. He says he came to his own people and they did not receive him. Now imagine this. Imagine this for just a moment. Imagine for just a moment every Everything he made was now fractured and broken, right? 
the creator, was walking in his creation. Imagine, imagine just a second. The, the one through whom and by whom and for whom all things were made is walking now. He's taken on flesh, God Almighty, the Son, right? The second person of the Trinity, as we learned last week, Jesus the Christ, is walking the streets of Jerusalem, Nazareth, right? And, and it's fractured. It's broken. Imagine the, t- the tension he felt in his soul. Not so much that it's not only broken and it's fragmented, but imagine walking among ethnically your own people and, and they don't even recognize. They're, 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 they're study, they've been studying the Old Testament with great anticipation of God sending someone and then he did send someone a miracle in and of itself, right, the virgin birth, and, and they still didn't recognize. They still didn't recognize. Imagine, let's go here for a moment. Imagine you are the patriarch of a huge family. And it's that time of year, right? It's that family reunion. It's that family reunion where in, 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 the, in the backyard is the spread, right? The spread, the food, the fried chicken, right? That's what we grew up with going to these things. The, the, the casseroles, the, the mac and cheese, homemade, right? In the crock pot. Incredible. I love that stuff. Imagine, you're the patriarch, right? And, and there's, there's hundreds at this family reunion, right? You're about 92 years old, still rolling, right? And, and you're, you're walking, there's, there's great-grandchildren, right? Great. And you're, you're walking among this family reunion, and as you walk among them, no one speaks to you, right? Imagine, and, and no one even recognizes you. And no one acknowledges you. This is what's happening, right? Imagine this, right? The creator is walking in his creation. And of all things made, right? The very thing made in his image, human beings did not know him, did not receive him. Think about this day, this day, Sanctity of Life Sunday, Think about this, through the eyes of Jesus, the creator. Think if he would walk on earth today as creator of life. Not only would the world not know him or receive him, but the world is killing the most innocent of all creation that bears his image. Imagine this. He came to his own people, and they did not receive him. Think for just a moment. The rejection The rejection of Christ is the most catastrophic decision any one person can make. The rejection of Christ has the most damaging consequences ever. The rejection of Christ and belief in him for salvation and eternal life resorts in an eternity apart from him, which is hell in and of itself. And so listen, listen, listen. If you're not a believer in Christ this morning, we plead with you compassionately to consider this man named Jesus Christ. We'd encourage you this morning to consider this man. If you're a believer, and I know for the majority of you, you are believing on Christ. And for that, I rejoice. You may, listen, you may not reject his salvation. You may not reject Jesus's gift of eternal life, but you could be rejecting his word and the instructions he's laid out for you. I mean, think about this. We treat sometimes 
this word as an instruction manual of a project that we think we know more about than the actual manual given to us. I remember a few years ago, Christmas time, I've got three girls, you guys know that, and we've got the the kitchen, right? We've got the big kitchen for them. It's going to be the Christmas present. And, and that night where we, we hid it at grandparents' house, right? put the kids down, picked it up about 10, 30, 11. Um, I bring it into the, to the living room, right? And, and being somewhat of a prideful man, I, I, I study the front of the box for about five minutes. And I say, I, I think I got this, right? And then I pull the pieces out, right? And, and my wife is gently trying to encourage me, just read the instructions, right? And I'm like, oh, I can do this. It's a, it's a kitchen, right? I mean, it's a few pieces. I got this. I'm looking at the box. I'm, that, that looks like it. Okay, I got this, right? And about an hour and a half, two hours into it, after about three pieces were put together, right? I just settled in about 1 a.m. to read the instructions, right? And then, and, then, and then it was amazing. <clears throat> it was amazing. I had it together in like 30 minutes, right? Could have saved myself a lot of time, saved myself some sleep, right? But this is, this is what happens. Even as a believer, we reject this good word. This is our first inkling. This is our first inkling that we think that God is a killjoy God. We, we think he, he's not for our pleasure. He's not for our joy. He's not for our good, right? Most of the times we think of Christianity in some lens that it's just, a, it's just prohibition, right? It's just don't do this, don't do that, and don't do this, don't do that, right? And even when the book says that, if we had a right perspective of God as Father, it's for our good, right? When I tell the kids, don't run in the street, there's a truck coming. That's good news for them, right? right? And, and so to be able to think and not reject. Listen, if the leading, listen, if the leading expert doctor in the world of the sickness that you had was at your bedside giving specific instructions for you to live, there's a good chance you would not reject his counsel. If you're at Duke University in a bedside with a specific disease that they've identified in the world's leading expert doctor comes and rides the elevator up and steps into your room and is at the side of the bed and says, I know exactly what to do to keep you alive. There's a good chance you're not going to give the Heisman to him (laughs) and reject his counsel. Oh, listen. Listen, the word says, blessed is the one who hears God's word and does what it says. And so this morning, are you rejecting the son? Are you rejecting his word? John would encourage us today to reconsider that. Notice the third response. The third response and the last one is this. Let us receive the life of Jesus by believing God and becoming his children. Let us receive the life of Jesus by believing God and becoming his children. Notice these life-giving words. Verse 12, verse 12 in John 1 says, but 
to all who receive him. But, but to all who received him, who believed in his name. Look at the text. Look at the text. What happens? It says, it says he gave the right to become children of God. He, he gave it. It's a gift. You can't earn this. He gave the right, right? It's, it's not a privilege you were born with. It's a right bought with the blood of Christ. Listen, the, the right to become children of God. Listen, if, if mom and dad are Christian, you are not born a Christian. You are born a sinner separated from God. I mean, we brought our kids home, right? And all, each of them, I'm just like, man, a bundle of sin, <laughs> right? And just loving on them, encouraging them. But their heart, right? Their heart's inclination was to disobey before they would obey. And listen, some religions teach that we are all God's children. That's bad theology. Listen, we are born, matter of fact, Ephesians says we are born children of wrath. The text, the Bible teaches this. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, right, we need to do a series called But God, right, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Oh, this is God. This is God's kindness. This is what God, in verses 13, this is saying, listen, this is not of the will of man or the flesh. This is of God. God chooses us to be his children. We've been made his child by believing his son. Listen, listen, there is one child of God that gives and grants the right to be called God's children because of the work on the cross in which that child accomplished. We become sons and daughters of God because of the son of God, Jesus the Christ. This is the beautiful, here we go, it's eight o'clock, you can handle this. This is the beautiful doctrine of adoption, right? This is the beautiful doctrine of of adoption. One theologian, very influential in our day and time, J.I. Packer, sums up Christianity as adoption through propitiation, right? I mean, just, and if you've been adopted or you adopted, there's a taste of the glory of the gospel that's a little bit sweeter, I believe, probably for you. Because in adoption, listen to what J.I. Packer says. Listen to this, listen. In adoption, God takes us into his family and fellowship. He establishes us as his children and heirs. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart of the relationship. To be right with God, the judge, that's justification, right, is a great thing. But to be loved, And cared for by God the Father, adoption is a greater. Oh, this is what's taking place, right? God through Christ has made us his children for those who have repented, right? For those who have repented and placed their, right, their faith in Christ. Oh, listen, listen. Just like my children, right? My children, they, they have the, the right to call on me at any time because they're my children. 
right? The storm comes late at night, the thunder and the lightning at 2 a.m., right? I hear a little coming down the hall, right? They're getting ready to jump in the bed with us, right? They have every right to do that because they're my children. The neighbors, nope, they don't have that right. <laughs> they don't have that right. I love my neighbors. They don't have that right. My children, my children have that right. They call me dad. And they, bam, right on top of me, right? Yes, listen, listen. Here's what's amazing about adoption. We'll close. Here's what's amazing about adoption. Adopted kids still sin against their parents and disobey them at times, right? But they're still adopted. They're still loved. And they still have the right to call them dad. And this is the beauty of the Christian faith, right? We're justified. We're made right with God, right? We're justified. But then we're, we're adopted. And so although we exist in this world where we continue to battle sin, right, We've been adopted. We're loved by God. We're covered by the blood of Christ. So we don't take, we have to continue to earn our way. No, we receive, we believe, and we receive, right? And we can call God dad. This is, this is good news this morning. This is really good news. And so if you've, if you've never received the life that Christ offers by believing God, becoming his child, I'd encourage you this morning to consider that. And if you have, if you have, listen, let this doctrine of adoption stir up affections for the king and what he's accomplished on your behalf. Let let this sense of adoption, right, grip you afresh and anew this morning. That God in his love sent his son that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is good news this morning. This is real, real good news this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this eight o'clock crew who I love. Thank you for the opportunity to walk through this text this morning in hopes that it would walk through us and that it would maybe grip our affections a little deeper. It would awaken Affections, it would allow some of the things that so easily entangle us, so easily entangle us to, to untang- be untangled this morning in one sense, to be untangled and to be able to fix our eyes fully on you, to be a witness for you, to bear the light, to reflect this light. God, help us to not reject your son or reject the, your word as truth that we could build our life on. And Father, help us to continue to believe, to continue to believe on and in King Jesus. Fuel our faith, God, please. Continue to fuel our faith, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.